Let's rank the Cincinnati Bengals issues so far this year by importance and talk about some potential solutions coming out of the bye week. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake. Let's go along with your host James Rapine. Today we're joined by Joe Goodberry whose show you can find from First Star on YouTube. Bengals on the brain. We're going to get into what the Bengals issues have been this year, what the importance of those issues has been and talk about some potential solutions with Joe. Today's episode brought to you by the Game Time app where you can use promo code Lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase of last minute tickets for the lowest price guaranteed. We appreciate also every single one of you who makes us your first listen and doesn't miss an episode, the everydayers who didn't miss any of our interviews with the Bengals coordinators last week. And James, today, before we dive into some of those problems and solutions with Joe, let's get some quick injury updates out of the way as Zach Taylor and some players, all the players, were back in the building at Paycor on Monday. Yeah, by week over, everyone was back. Joe Burrow was moving around well, and, and that's takeaway one, two, and three. Uh, throwing off platform, throwing off of that right leg, pushing off of it. And so that's good to see. Hopefully that continues and we can stop talking about Calfgate 2023. Um, from Calfgate to groin gate, um, I can't believe I just said that, but I did. Orlando Brown Jr. dealing with a groin issue. He says he's going to play on Sunday against the 49ers. Zach Taylor was less... Uh, less confident or at least didn't want to commit and said, we'll see. So I do think Orlando Brown Jr. will play. We'll see if he's limited or, or practices in full on Wednesday. Other guys, T. Higgins, Chidobe Awuzie, progressing nicely. Also, Charlie Jones, still on injured reserve, progressing well. I talked to Charlie. So we'll see if he's, his practice window gets opened next week following the 49ers game. Interestingly, Akeem Davis-Gaither also still not back at practice. He last played in the same game that Charlie Jones last played in. One of those guys went on to the IR. One of them didn't. So we'll see what happens with Akeem Davis-Gaither. Situational player, of course, at this point in his career with the Bengals, bringing back the two starters at linebacker. Just something that's interesting from a roster management perspective. Orlando Brown did say he felt great. Kind of an extra rest day for him coming off the bye is how he wanted to talk about it. So hopefully they get him back this week. And those are the quick injury updates. We'll, of course, have a fuller picture on Wednesday when they're back to putting a practice report out. But not only do the Bengals get a bye week of extra preparation for the 49ers, but the 49ers are playing Monday Night Football as well, which didn't actually occur to me until we record this on Monday. And I realized that the San Francisco 49ers hadn't played yet this week. So big rest disparity this week. That said, let's get into the bye week retrospective, and, and that's why you're here, Joe. And, and I wanted to kind of talk about power ranking the problems, as it were, because you could talk about a lot of the issues the Bengals have had, and we have talked about them, and they all feel pretty important. But when you talk about the actual significance of those issues as far as how it's played out in winning and losing football games, I think that that might be an interesting angle to take when you discuss it. So when you look at this team, when when you've been talking about them on Bengals on the brain, doing your film study, doing your normal analysis thing that you do, 
what do you think that if you had to point to like the single biggest problem that is why the Bengals are three and three instead of four and two or five and one, where do you start? I start with the quarterback play, and, and maybe that's somewhat easy because it's been such a topic of this discussion since it happened in late July with the with the calf injury. But I think when you look around the league, the same thing is happening to a lot of teams, a lot of good offenses that if they can't find explosive uh, running options or can't create explosive runs, everything falls on the quarterback. And I thought this game last night was pretty apparent between the Dolphins and the, the Eagles because the Dolphins have been the, hey, look, this is the new offense. This is what you have to do in 2023. And when they couldn't uh, produce explosive plays on the ground, it was like, okay, so what do we have to do on offense? Because now we are at second and seven. Now it's third and six, whatever it may be. And the, the onus becomes the quarterback has to make a clean read clean throw within structure because two is not the kind of guy that can break out and, and make a play happen. But that's really how Joe Burrow looked those first three to four weeks, right? Where you couldn't really do much, couldn't extend plays. And if he did, he got re-injured on that, that late uh, play against the, the Ravens. So when you can't extend plays and you are a sitting duck in the pocket, defenses play you completely differently. The Bengals didn't have anything else to lean on. They didn't have an explosive running game, that, uh, a well-rounded running game to say, Hey, we're going to do this for the first month and just get through it and then, you know, come out with a healthy Burrow on the other, uh, the other end of it. So while it's yes, Burrow was the main focus for me and in, in how many things you can't do on offense when you have a quarterback like that. The other part is, had they've had a more dynamic running game, we maybe could have got a, out of a couple of those games a little bit closer or more successfully. So your, your focus is, or, or your biggest questions, concerns are on offense, you think over the first six games? Oh, no doubt. I haven't had much of an issue with the defense. They had their issues, I think, early, but I think defense as a whole around the league is reflective of what the offense is doing on the other side. If you can score points, if you can stay ahead of the game, flip the game script in your favor, I feel like the defenses across the league are uh, night and day. And when, when they can pin their ears back, when they when they can rush, when you can disguise things and, and, and pull that string when you need to on a third down and call a blitz or, or back everyone out, and and just get that one more play, that one more sack, that one more turnover. It's the difference in, in, in you know in wins and losses all across the league. And so I haven't had an issue with the defense when the Bengals have scored points. I thought they've looked really good. My overall issue is we had so much time of knowing that Burrow was going to be limited somewhat that when they rolled out the offense and it looked exactly like last year's, with obviously somebody that was hobbled at quarterback, it just seemed like a bad plan from the get-go to me and and we've talked about this they never expected the re-injury to occur they thought they would have to live like this for two weeks right and then they could get back into doing some of the things that they wanted to do that we thought they were planning to do in the preseason which was an expanded play action game which is leveraging joe burrow off the spot where we've seen him doing a lot of work you know today at practice on monday in the offseason a lot of play action work as well and they, they didn't get to do that. They kind of had to go back to the drawing board after he re-injured the calf in week two. That would be the, it's an excuse, but the excuse I would offer in their defense is let's try to survive for two weeks. They almost do get that win against Baltimore, if not for bad interception coming out of halftime, that game could go differently. Then they're one and one, and then they have a healthier borough, they hope at that point. Instead, they're, they're struggling through for another couple of weeks the, the interesting thing, one interesting thing you said as well that I wanted to go back to was talking about the Philly-Miami game and, and talk about two dramatically different offenses in terms of 
where they're lining up, how much shotgun they're using pre-snap motion. Philly, one of the teams at the bottom of pre-snap motion in the NFL. Miami, the top of pre-snap motion in the NFL. Philly, one of the heaviest shotgun teams in the NFL. Miami using shotgun 20% less than Philly, 23% less than Philly. Cincinnati in the shotgun more than Philadelphia is, but it's actually, you look around the league, somewhat comparable to teams like the Ravens who have been good on offense to Philadelphia, to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not too far off. It's certainly more because for a period of time, Joe Burrow simply could not get under center. But you look at those offenses and the the key difference with Baltimore and Philly is the running game aspect Mm -hmm. of things and, and the athleticism, I think, in the offensive line, the way those offensive lines are playing. And then Kansas City is just Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes for the most part. But did you see some things from Philly that you thought hmm, would be nice to incorporate some of those ideas? You know, and they're not letting Jalen Hurts run as much this year. So it's like I, you watch that offense the past few weeks, and I thought this is very similar. This is a lot of things the, the Bengals uh, do, except for, you're right, the explosiveness at running back, the athleticism on the offensive line. And then Hurts can run if he has to. You know, he is a good athlete. He's strong, and, and super strong. Made critical plays outside of structure last night, Sunday night. And that's that is key. And I thought Paul Daner's piece when he went over how many like touchdowns were out after two and a half seconds and yada, that was at like week three at that point when we were really questioning like this this passing offense. And then after that, you know, I which we always knew was true. We, we've talked about for years you have to play outside of structure to really make a difference because quarterback in the league, everyone's throwing at a 90% or 90 uh quarterback rating. The guys that really separate are the guys that can go outside of structure and make plays happen. When Burrow couldn't do that, you start watching it around the league and you go, yeah, damn. When the defense doesn't let that quarterback do it, it really turns that guy into a pedestrian quarterback. I thought the the Bills the last couple, two of the last three weeks against the Jags and then uh, against Patriots, when they didn't let Allen run and do crazy things and stiff arm and jump over guys and act like a maniac, I'm like, yeah, Allen's just a regular quarterback and here we are. The, they're losing to teams that they probably – should be. So these are issues throughout the league that I think offenses are dealing with. It just became hyper-focused because we were just, it's, it, you're just waiting for Burrow to get healthy because you feel like once he is, they'll be fine and they'll figure it out and he'll be able to create outside of structure. Uh, it's just, you know, we had that setback. Let's continue the conversation with Joe, including some potential solutions coming up next. This episode of Locked On Bengals sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs knows that every potential new hire these days, especially if you're a small business, can feel like a high stakes wager. You want to be 100% certain that when you're bringing somebody in, you have access to the best qualified candidates looking for jobs available. I know as a job seeker, I like to look at LinkedIn for job opportunities and LinkedIn Jobs is there to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So if you'd like to hire me, or people like me, hopefully I'm an attractive employee, you can post your job over at LinkedIn Jobs. They'll provide you tools as well, screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's one of the reasons that LinkedIn Jobs is ranked number one by small businesses in delivering qualified quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the place to go for daily fantasy sports. If you're like me and you stunk it up in week seven in your season long leagues, well, you got to get the prize picks because it can still be a successful week, even if you go over in your season long. 
fantasy leagues because daily fantasy with prize picks is simple. You pick two to six players and whether they will have more or less than their stat projections. You don't have to go up against anyone but prize picks. No pros, no sharks, no thousands of other players that you're competing against. No, the prize picks projections versus you. You can win up to 25 times your money. So maybe you think that Joe Burrow is going to throw for more than his prize picks projection this week against the San Francisco 49ers, or that Joe Mixon's going to run for more yards than his projection. Well, there you go. There's your two. You can go up to six, and boom, you can start winning today. Check them out right now at prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100 again. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL with code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We've talked a lot about offensive schematic improvements this team could make with Joe Burrow getting healthier. They looked really good to start against Seattle and then things kind of got off track. What what's your in season, your bi-week adjustment, your self-scout adjustment if you're Brian Callahan, Zach Taylor, and Joe Burrow getting together and saying, okay, this is what we can do, and, and this is something that can make our lives easier on offense. Yeah, because I do I do think they're doing some things better than before. And, and you know, while the numbers aren't um, a more percentage of Jamar Chase in the slot, I think they are, have been much more effective with it. I think the, the pre-snap motion or, or motion at the snap, they have incorporated more of that than I would have expected originally. And you can get a lot of good, you know, big plays out of it, but also a lot of easy chunk eight yard plays out of it and getting he Higgins in the slot as well. You know, there's been a, a few opportunities for that where they will adjust out of a slot fade and, you know, they'll run the stop route on it. But I think largely, I think everyone's wondering, are they going to get under center and are, and are they going to turn to a power run game at any point this year or a wide zone and incorporate more of that? Cause you really can't do it out of shotgun. And that's why they incorporated the pistol more and more. But can you get under center and can you have a more full-fledged running game with more options and, and more different looks? And Because I think they largely want are running the same things that they normally would run, but they're limited in how many ways they can show it, right? Because the idea is that if you have a core staple of concepts, you're going to every team runs them, but they're going to run them out of different looks, different personnel, different ways to align guys. They'll put a guy in motion just to get back to where they were earlier on the same play, but make it look different pre-snap and then run it. So they're doing all of these things, but you have maybe 75% of the playbook available because the other 25% was, and they were a fully shotgun team last year. So let's not forget that, but they would go under center and they'd come out of a drive and say, Hey, listen, we got to get the running game going. Let's get under center. Let's give it to Mixon. Let's pound it and let's see if we can create something and then get a shot play from the 45. I think that part is still missing for them. Because there are days where your quarterback just isn't on or just isn't there, and regardless of injury. And you would like to be able to say, okay, today's not our day. They're, this defense is not giving us any big plays, or they're just the pass rush is winning. Let's turn to a run game and hand it off. And they really haven't had the ability to do that. How much of that is the, the running back room as a whole, whether it's Joe Mixon or the lack of trust of the guys behind him? How would you evaluate that situation because I think it's it certainly needs to change one way or the other behind yeah. Joe Mixon if they're going to be successful. This is probably the worst running back room in the league right now. I would say from one to four, you would like uh, more dynamic athletes. You would like 
guys that could do more in the passing game. Mixon should be able to do more. He did a lot last year for whatever reason. They're not coming back to that. Uh, a lot of that is defense based too. So, you know, I don't think, I think teams right now are saying, Hey, go ahead and prove you can throw these outside vertical balls again. Like it was, you know, Burrow's rookie year and, and then 2021 when they started that way as well. Uh, so you're not getting as many checkdowns to to your running backs, but I do think if you had a guy that can make people miss more often, break long runs, you would see adjustments in the defense. And I think you would see a higher success rate of running and maybe get some explosives and maybe they would turn and lean on the run game a little bit more. I think Mixon is still a serviceable player, but when you don't have a contrasting backup or somebody that you are even willing to give it to because Mixon's playing at an incredible high rate right now, they, if they keep running them like this, we're going to see three games at towards the midpoint or end of the year where we're like, Hey, it's Trayvon Williams, Chase Brown, and Chris Evans because they don't have anyone else because they ran Mixon into the into the dirt through the first 12 weeks of the year. So, you know, I don't want to get to that point. They need to figure out who else can help this team. Outside of the running game, which obviously you look at the teams that are successful in the league right now, they can run the ball. They can, th- except the Chiefs, probably. They, they can run the ball well enough to, to get teams to react to it. I think the Chiefs are probably the only exception to that. It feels like the weapons have been a letdown too. Outside of running back, you look at the receivers mm-hmm. not named Jamar Chase, and everybody's numbers. And and I did a thread on this after the Week Six game are down this year for for some metric that I think is important. We talked about Tyler Boyd's yards per catch, but also his first down rate is half of what it had been. T. Higgins' catch rate is like half of what it had been. They're not getting mm-hmm. virtually anything from the tight end position. So we can talk about scheme. We can talk about run game. We can talk about this and that. We can talk about Joe Burrow, but what what about the skill guys, Joe? Yeah, they need to step it up if they can. You know, I think there is a symbiotic relationship, obviously, between the quarterback and receivers and weapons, right? When we've seen it when Andy Dalton was in there and there were times quarter or receivers would come out of their breaks and their arms are extended, eyes wide, because they don't know where the ball placement is going to be because he was erratic at times, right? So, And you see this now with Higgins coming out and double-clutching things on the sideline and, and double-catching them. And you even saw it with Jamar Chase. Even though he's had big days, he's had, he's double-caught a lot of passes. And I think that happens when you're not getting the practice time or you know, for the last month of camp and preseason, you're going with bad quarterbacks. We talked about this plenty of times with Simeon and Browning, but – your trust in where the ball's going to be at the right time, at the right place, starts to get eroded pretty quickly. Now you can build it up pretty back pretty quickly, and they, they've got enough reps with Burrow through the previous years, but you definitely saw it had an effect on these guys. And you would think it would get corrected, and it's something you could easily correct, but you're, you're right because this should be the strength of the team. The receiving core and the weapons should be like, hey, we've got the three best in the league. They shouldn't be averaging five yards per attempt towards them, right? They sh- it shouldn't be a 17% contested catch rate to T. Higgins. These are balls you go one-on-one with. It should have never have been the defense's game to win against Seattle. That one-on-one go shot on third down to T. Higgins that he gets the, the pass interference on, take away the pass interference. He still did not come down with the contested ball that would hit him right in the hands, both hands. Like, these have to be caught. That has to happen. Or else this team, let's say this continues, where Boyd, Maybe he's spent. Maybe that's it. Maybe we've reached the end of, of Tyler Boyd's uh, really high-level effectiveness, and whatever's going on with T lasts the entire year. This offense is going to have a hard time getting back on track if that's the case. That's scary. And let's discuss some potential solutions for that. And, yeah, we do need to talk a little bit about the defense as well as locked-on Bengals offense rolls on. 
This episode of Locked On Bengals is brought to you by Game Time. If you're looking for tickets, maybe you're looking for tickets to that Bills game, primetime action, you shouldn't have to worry. Should be fast, should be easy, should be stress-free, should be exciting, and Game Time knows that, and that's why they're there for you for sports, music, comedy, theater events with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, their best price guarantee. There's no guesswork when you buy your tickets with game time. I love being able to see the view from my seat from the app before I buy it so I know what I'm looking at, avoid those obstructive views, make sure I can see what I want to see when I'm going to these events. You can buy tickets in seconds with as little as two taps. It's a fantastic way to get tickets for any of these things, especially that Bills game. So check it out with uh, a promo code that'll save you $20 at the game time app, use promo code locked on NFL. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Some terms apply again, create an account, redeem code locked on NFL. You'll get $20 off with the game time app. Check it out for last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by Pierce dental group. Pierce dental group is in downtown Cincinnati and in Northern Kentucky. They have two locations and they're the premier dental group in the area, providing a world-class experience and creating confident smiles, AKA Joe Burrow, T Higgins, the list goes on and on. Go where the pros go. Their downtown location, by the way, was established in 1942. They are the highest rated dentist in the area with over 1300 five-star Google reviews. And look, it doesn't mean that you need to go there for just cosmetic work or Invisalign or implants. No, they do routine care as well. And they offer flexible payment options. They're going to make sure they work with their uh, with your insurance company to maximize your dental coverage. So visit them online. Check them out today at piercedentalgroup.com. That's P-E-A-R-C-E dentalgroup.com, piercedentalgroup.com. Also search Pierce Dental Group on Instagram or Facebook. You know, we haven't talked about the offensive line at all, James, either. Speaking of things we haven't gotten to. <laughs> man. Uh, oh, man. Talking a lot about quarterback and scheme. and You, you know why, though? Game. Because this, let's be honest, they've figured out ways to overcome offensive line issues, and it means that they, they put a lot on Joe Burrow. So I actually think we're covering the right stuff. Like what needs to change for them to be a contender again? If the offensive line levels up and Burrow doesn't, it's not going to work. If the receivers don't, but the offensive line, it still probably won't work. So I think we're okay. I do. You're muted, Joe. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it a good thing to finally not talk about the offensive line? It's not a major issue. Yeah, well, we, we could still talk about it, but it's still not a major issue, though, Jake. It's not a major issue compared to some of the other things we've talked about, which is a good point, James. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right. If the offensive line is better and these other things don't get better, it's probably not enough. As far as the skill guys, I think it's largely they just have to play better. Maybe that is Joe Burrow playing better. Like you said, Joe, that that symbiotic relationship between quarterback consistency and and being on the same page with the receivers and getting the reps. Part of it could also be, do we see more Yosavash? Do we see more Charlie Jones as their rookie years go on? And they've both shown some things. Charlie Jones was ready to have a bigger role in the offense before he got hurt. It was certainly trending that way. And Yosavash has earned some, some playbook pages. Let's say they, they've drawn some things up for him. They haven't gotten to all of them. That could be part of the solution too. any closing thoughts there, Joe, on the skill guys before we transition to the defense. 
No, I agree. The speed is something they definitely need on offense. Uh, yep. You know, as far as good as they are, it's really only Jamar Chase that you feel like you could throw a screen to and he's going to make somebody miss or or go deep and, and, and you know, just break it between two safeties and, and take it all the way. It's been that way for the last few years. And when they drafted Charlie Jones and Yoshivas and Chase Brown, we said, hey, at the very least, day three picks, but you injected some speed. Well, let's see it when, you know, when healthy and when you can, but let's see it. Yeah, I think that's, when you look at potential solutions and I'm not sure we'll have time time to do this today, but we will hopefully on our next show, talk about trade deadline and everything involved in that. They need these in-house guys to step up and on defense, they've had their young guys step up. Dax Hill, DJ Turner, Cam Taylor, Britt, all first and second year guys. Guess what? There is advertised from their speed to their, their playmaking to DJ Turner. I don't, I don't know if a balls came his way. Uh, there's been a couple, but there, there haven't been many completed. And so they need that on offense. And right now they're just, they're not getting it. And that includes the tight end position, obviously they didn't invest a draft pick, but there, there hasn't been anyone there that's given them anything. Yeah. Irv Smith is as young as their draft picks that they made. So, I mean, he, he could still hope for some upside there and he, there's been nothing. You're right. And he's dropped two passes and it largely been ignored i like when i watch the tape i don't have an issue with irv smith running routes or anything like that i I don't have an issue with his speed and agility i never thought he was some dynamic player to begin with uh but what i'm watching i just go yeah man they're kind of just bypassing him in the offense right now yeah is it a trust thing that's my concern honestly yeah and i wonder the same thing because he there was plays even earlier in the season i think the contrast of tanner hudson getting in and like instantly he's throwing to tanner hudson on third down you're like what but there was plays where Mitch Wilcox is open. And it looks like Burrow just completely bypasses him because he's a step late. The release is different. He turns a different angle. And it's like, Burrow, if you don't do it exactly, he's just going to skip right over you in the progression. Joe Burrow does have Mitch Wilcox blindness. We can yeah. we can talk about that safely. He he does not. <laughs> Mitch Wilcox has been open a number of times and has not gotten the target. But you look at it, like you said, Tanner Hudson had six targets in two games. Irv Smith has 11 targets in four games. Why is the ball finding these guys? Not always Irv Smith's fault, like Leak in, in week six. Jonah Williams gives up the pressure. But anyway, uh, defense, Joe, any concerns outside of for, – for me, the big one is the interior backups. I, I feel pretty good about the way things are trending in the secondary where it's not perfect, but I think it's going in the right direction. But thinking about – uh, Zach Carter and Josh Tupo and, and teams being able to take advantage of that. It's just been such a theme for the defense. And we've been talking about the defensive tackle position now for a few years because, you know, if you remember when DJ Reader was signed and it's like, well, Geno Atkins got hurt the next year and it's like, well, they need another guy and they trade for BJ Hill and that works. And Ogan Joby was a roller coaster, but effective. And they lose him in free agency, and it's like, okay, that year they got to draft a D tackle. They need a third guy. And they draft Zach Carter in the third round, and we go, okay, well, fine. Let's see what happens in a year or so. And we're here a year later, and it's like, yeah, he's still the same guy and maybe even worse somehow. I don't know how that happened. He was at least serviceable against the run last year, and now he's getting washed out in double teams and this and that. And, uh, yeah, the, the amount of snaps that are being forced upon Reader and Hill because you don't trust your backups. And then even when they do say, okay, this drive, or we got to the, you know, it's been six plays, let's throw the backups in for four plays or whatever it is. 
it's immediately noticeable when you're watching. You're like, oh my God, are the yeah, six yard run? Yeah, the backup D tackles are in. I start getting frustrated watching because you know instantly that they're in the game. And the same could be said for the pass rushers on the edge, too. We haven't seen Osai back yet. Hopefully, it looked like he was trending that way. He doesn't look as bursty yet. We haven't seen him kick inside other than one snap. So we need to see if he can help there. The positive was Cam Sample had a few nice wins on the inside. Maybe we see more of that. But still, like if I will talk about how they can fix some of these things and get better and and, and maybe some trade targets, I'd be with a defensive tackle completely. I, th- I don't think you can have a truly effective pass rush. I'm surprised their pass rush has been as good as it is. And for Hendrickson to do what he's doing, only rushing from right defensive end and getting almost no help inside. Uh, other than, I mean, Hill and Reader have accumulated a couple sacks because they're playing almost every snap. But a consistent push or a threat to penetrate that pocket really isn't there from those two. They do their job and they do it well. But you know what I'm saying. I'll say in Reader's yeah. defense, there have been a couple of sacks that have come because he's erased escape lanes, and there's oh, yeah. no place for quarterbacks to step up. So I'll just throw that out there. Sorry, James. No, it's all right. I think it's a good good time to tease out of solutions, trades, ideas. I Honestly, I, I think that's where we're at. I mean, everyone's going to agree that the secondary has been pretty good, and they're going to crap on Nick Scott. We'll see if he can figure it out and play better over the final 11. But that's outside of Nick Scott. What are you going to complain about? You know, I, I think that the that it, that it's really caught defensive times. Yeah, they've given up big down. plays. Yeah, sure. Yeah, with trick plays, Jake is on the trick play train. I didn't buy it early, and he mentioned it in a crossover. I don't know, week three maybe. And I'm like, come on, it's only week three. And then of course they get beat. It was it was going into the Tennessee game. It was week four. Every time they a team beat. is dialed up a trick play, <laughs> the Bengals have lost to the trick play. That doesn't always mean it's been completed because the quarterbacks have missed some throws on like flea flickers and stuff like that. But uh, I, I will say this. One thing I was really impressed with against Seattle was I thought the play action discipline, the defense in general against Seattle was way more disciplined in terms of backside stuff, in terms of what were they've been gashed by a couple of runs on cutbacks, in terms of play action, staying home, doing their job kind of stuff. The Marvin Lewisism, do your job. Uh, that, that's something I think has improved for the defense there's still some concern about getting beat over the top mm. where those haven't all been completed, but there are a couple of, of instances where they're getting beat over the top and, and they haven't been punished for it consistently where against better quarterbacks, you probably need to clean that up a little bit more than they have and tackling. It was better against Seattle. Lou and Rumo seemed pleased with it, but it was still soft. There, there were some soft tackles where there were some yep. yards gained after contact where, you would like to see that be a little bit better too. But we'll have to talk about some solutions here this week, and we'll get to some trade targets, stuff like that, uh, because the Bengals aren't back in practice until Wednesday anyway. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll go there on our next episode here on Locked On Bengals. Go check out Joe Goodberry's stuff, Bengals on the Brain. You can find it on YouTube. A couple of film breakdown pieces per week. Does great work with First Star Logistics over there on YouTube. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.